Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. noticed a, a, a trend, a change, that today more kids want to be YouTube stars than astronauts. Ha, have you asked a, your child, maybe if you're, if you're not a parent, you ask someone else's child, or if you're a grandparent, you ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they say, I want to be a YouTuber, okay? And if you're like me, what I picture is someone like uh, Unspeakable who, who plays Minecraft with his buddies and yells randomly and does crazy stunts like filling a room with live alligators and makes $28.5 million in 2021. Hello? Amen. Praise the Lord. So young ones, pursue that dream. Just remember Renaissance Church and remember your mom and dad, okay? Take care of them when you make that big payday on your YouTube channel, okay? I read one study that said 29% of children want to be YouTube stars and only 11% want to be astronauts. Um, And I was thinking about this crazy change in our culture that's sort of been a gradual change with the advent of things like YouTube and the creator economy. Have y'all heard that term before, the creator economy? This kind of change, this shift in our economy that's creator economy. So back in my day, as me and my boys like to play a game called Back in My Day. Back in my day, so back in my day, what would, you know, there were, you know, a few, you know, a handful of big houses, branded houses that controlled like what artists and what, you know, things got presented to the public. And now we have this creator economy where someone can go and start their own channel and they can begin to connect with people online. It's like they can build their own platform. And and it's it's this powerful uh, picture of the network and the value of personal contribution. The value of personal contribution. We're in a series right now called uh, Walk, Grow, Live. And it's just us, kind of how we talk about the purposes of God, that we're designed to walk with God, to grow in community, and to live on mission. We feel like every human being has been created by God for that very purpose, to walk with him, right? To, To grow amongst a community and to live on mission. And we're talking about the intersection of those things that we're designed to live where all those things were to overlap. That's the, the in fuego place. It's the place that the passion and the, the people of God are unleashed and they're healthy and they're growing. It's the vibrant, awakened church. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping today to stir that fire in us about kingdom leadership, kingdom leadership, because we are a a church that is a network. We talked about that in the very first week that we talked about fishing with Jesus, and we talked about the net that those guys dropped in the water, and that we as a church are a network of relationships, 
And, and we are organized in a network of house churches that meet here on Sundays to worship, that we're a network. We're a part of a greater network across our city and across our state and our nation and our globe, that we are a network. And I just want to propose to you that this creator economy, this change, this new thing that we've seen uh, in our culture is nothing new at all. It's actually how Jesus started the church, where he was going to, as we talked about last week, place his spirit inside of each one of his followers, his people, his believers. They were going to be gifted and called, and he was going to use them, and he was going to actually create through them. They would be contributors to the kingdom, and he's calling us to become kingdom leaders, kingdom leaders. I, I found this quote, and it's one of my favorite quotes. It's by Ian e. Bounds. He's one of the dead guys, okay? He's one of the dead guys. I think every Christian should read some dead people, okay? You should read some writings of some dead because they're just this perspective that is so good. And here's one of the things that he said. God's plan is to make much of the man, far more of him than of anything else, Men are God's method. The church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better men. The church is looking for better methods, but God is looking for better men, meaning that God's vehicle for, for, uh, for his rescue mission is not some you know, cool idea strategy that some pastor is going to come up with. It's the people of God stepping up into kingdom leadership. Let's talk about what the heck is kingdom leadership. What is a kingdom leader? Well, here's the principle, and this is what is um, at work in our church at Renaissance, is that we believe every person, every believer is a potential leader. I mean, I'll say it again. Every believer is a potential leader. Leader. Now, I know that you've probably grown up like me in a church where uh, only a few people did the leading, right? Most of them had degrees from a seminary somewhere, and it's like those were the leaders, and everyone else just kind of came and supported the leaders. But we actually want to flip this and kind of re-embrace what I believe Jesus started as he filled and empowered and gifted every believer that every person has something to offer. And every single believer is a potential leader. Kingdom leaders extend the kingdom, meaning they're used by God to reach others and to help them grow spiritually. Because uh, every time a person joyfully and willingly brings their life under the lordship or the kingship of the king, the kingdom has been extended and expanded. Does that make sense? It's life by life. Every time another person brings their life willingly, joyfully under the kingship, the lordship of the king, the kingdom of God has just been expanded and extended. And God's going to use us as kingdom leaders to extend and expand his kingdom. I don't know why he's decided to do it that way, but it's how he's shown over and over again that men are his method. And 
every believer is a potential leader. I want us to look at a, a famous passage in Exodus. If you want to go kind of to the front of your Bibles, or if you have a device in which you read the Bible on, you can pull that out. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to look back at Moses. Most of you know who Moses is. Moses was a Hebrew who, um, whose parents had to sort of hide him because there was um, you know, an, an edict by the Pharaoh of that time that was to basically kill off all the Hebrew males, young males. And so they put him in a little basket in a river. Some of y'all have seen the Disney movie, Prince of Egypt, so you know the story, right? And he floats down the river, and Pharaoh's daughter finds him as she's bathing in the river one day, and he's raised in Pharaoh's house. And he grows up in, in that household. And there's one day where Moses sees uh, a Hebrew slave, they were slaves in Egypt, being mistreated by an Egyptian master. And he's angry. He gets angry about this person being mistreated, so angry that he takes it too far and he kills the guy. And so when he figures out that it's been reported that everyone knows that Moses killed an Egyptian, Moses flees to the land of Midian. That's where we're going to pick up the story today in Genesis, I mean, sorry, Exodus chapter 3, and I'm going to start in verse 1. Here's what it says. Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Oreb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire but was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? Verse 4. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, he answered. Do not come closer, he said. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he continued, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Verse 7, then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings and I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the territory of the Canaanites, Hethites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. So because the Israelites' cry for help has come to me, and I've also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, therefore go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh, so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Verse 11, but Moses asked God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt. He answered, I will certainly be with you and this will be the sign to you that I am the one who sent you when you bring the people out of Egypt. You will all worship God at this mountain. This is the word of the Lord. So we have this incredible story 
story of Moses and the bush and God speaking to him out of the bush and calling this guy who's fled for his life out of Egypt. He's been on the ranch at Midian for about 40 years at this point when God begins to speak to him. And I, I want to read a little bit more further down in the story. God's going to tell him about the, um, the, the, you know, the name that he's to call He's going to talk to him about the, um, the signs that he's going to show. But in verse 10 of chapter 4, we see a little bit more of the story. He says, but Moses replied to the Lord, please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, either in the past or recently or since you have been speaking to your servant. That's interesting. Because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. Verse 11, the Lord said to him, who placed a mouth on humans? Who makes a person mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you and speak, and I will teach you what to say. Verse 13, Moses said, please, Lord, send someone else. Verse 14, then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, isn't Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well, and also he is on his way now to meet you. He will rejoice when he sees you. You will speak with him and tell him what to say. I will help both you and him to speak and will teach you both what to do. He will speak to the people for you. He will serve as a mouth for you and you will serve as God to him. Take this staff in your hand that you will perform the signs with. So here we have the calling of Moses and it's a moment where Moses is clearly quite reluctant. And I believe that most of us as Christians, when we start to hear the L word of leadership, we start to have all kinds of things that come up in our minds of why I could never do that. We, just like Moses, are often reluctant kingdom leaders. And I want to talk about what happens in the story that I think is so helpful for us that will free us so that we can step into what God has called us to do. The first thing is this, and I don't have a slide for this, so just listen to my voice. Kingdom leadership originates in the revelation of God's heart for others. I'll say it again. Kingdom leadership originates in the revelation of God's heart for others. Did you hear God's heart in Moses' call to leadership? It's interesting to me how God begins the conversation because he doesn't say, Moses, you're a decent guy. Yeah, you're, you're, you're all right. I, I think you've got some qualities that would be good. I think you have some gifts. He, he, he doesn't appeal to Moses in that way. In fact, instead, what he says, and we saw in three verses seven through 10, he began to say that I have, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out. I know about their sufferings. I've come down to rescue them. And then he says, because the Israelites' cry has come to me, 
And I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So the whole conversation of calling into leadership has to do with God's heart, not for Moses, God's heart, not for Moses' ability or, or lack of ability. It has to do with God's heart for people. He reveals his heart for his people. And this is where kingdom leadership originates. It's a beautiful revelation that we have a father who observes and hears and he knows and he sees. Like you, I, I drive through our town and a five mile radius of this building, we have 200,000 plus people who live here. 60% of them are unclaimed by any religious organization according to the data, meaning there's lots of people who are either not connected to a church of any kind or they're not following Jesus or have not indicated that they follow Jesus. And I just wonder what God observes and what God sees and what God hears in our city. I think about Houston, greater Houston of 7.7 million or whatever it is now. So many people here. And I just wonder what God's heart is observing and seeing in hearing, what suffering does he know about that I don't know about? What, what, what are people thinking? What, what's the cry coming out as they lay their head down at night? What's in their heart that God sees that we don't see? And maybe, just maybe, God wants to reveal his heart for them to us. God was bothered by what was happening to his people. And it turns out it was the very same thing that bothered Moses when he lost his temper and he got angry about the oppression of his people. And there's something about Moses' story that resonates with God's revelation. God reveals his heart for these people. And Moses, I, I just wonder if his mind is shooting right back to that moment when he saw that Hebrew slave being beaten and, 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 and brutalized. And he's like, oh, that bothers me too. Kingdom leadership originates when our stories and God's revelation meet. Does that make sense? When whatever you've had to go through, whatever you've had to walk through, whatever has bothered you, whatever you've seen and observed and heard and the suffering that you've seen and you begin to understand, whoa, no, God cares about that way more than I do. And he begins to reveal his heart to you at that, that overlap of your story and God's revelation is where kingdom leadership is actually birthed. And it's how God appeals to Moses. Has God revealed his heart for others to you? Is there something about your story that resonates with God's revealed heart? I, I was struck as I studied the passage about the sequence, because uh, it's a little bit humorous to me. In 
verses 8 through 10, he says, I've come down to rescue them. And, you know, if I'm hearing that, I'm like, yes, Lord, right? You know, that's, that bothers me too. And, and I, if maybe you pray for people, you pray for causes, you pray for suffering. Maybe you, you have a heart for homeless or you have a heart for, for those who have walked through abortion. Maybe you have a heart for those who have mental illness or have been in the foster system or, or sex trafficking, whatever your heart, whatever it is that's been on your heart and, and you pray for those people and you ask God to rescue them and to deliver them and, and you want so bad to see them saved and, and brought out of it and you hear something like that, I've come down to rescue them and you're like, it's like Pentecostal moment in your car, your house, and you're like, yes, Jesus, come on, rescue him, right? And but then, then the Lord follows it up with this. I've come down to rescue them, therefore go, I'm sending you. And you're like, whoa, what? Wait a minute. If you want to rescue them, why don't you just rescue them, God? Right? And I'll just cheer you on. I'll be so excited. He's like, no, no, no. Here's how it works. I'm coming down to rescue them. I'm sending you, and you're going to lead them. That's what he tells Moses. I'm going to rescue them. I'm coming down. Go. I'm sending you, and you will lead them. Do you see personal contribution do you see how God is calling Moses into kingdom leadership? And of course, Moses is going to do what we all do. It's the second thing I think we need to understand is that kingdom leaders are often reluctant at first. If you have ever felt reluctant to lead you're in great company in the Bible because it's filled with character after character after character who ask the very same question, who am I? Why, why me? Who am I to do this? I mean, I can't set a single person free. I can barely tie my shoes anymore, okay? Like, who am I to lead the people out of Egypt? Who am I to go to Pharaoh? It's a valid question. It's a fair question. Who am I? M Moses knew this task is massive. And Pharaoh is a national superpower. And I'm going to go to him and just say, let the people go. And he's going to be like, okay. It's like, I, I don't think it's going to go that way. Plus, God, don't you remember that I was raised in Egyptian privilege in Pharaoh's house, and those Hebrew people are going to see me, and they're going to be like, he's not one of us, really. And he's reluctant. And I think most of us, if we're honest, we have a lot of reluctance in us when it comes to the idea that God would want to actually use us to lead someone else. Because we don't know enough about the Bible yet, right? <laughs> we, um, I, I don't know how to answer all the hard questions about faith. Like, what if they ask me the classic one, can God make a rock so big that he can't lift it? Like, what will I do if they ask that question? How, you know? <laughs> Sorry, that's an apologetic joke. 
totally wasted on you. No, I'm just kidding. What if they ask hard questions? What if there are relational risks? What if that friendship gets weird because I start talking about God and Jesus? What if they think I'm all holier than thou now because I'm, I'm a leader, right? What if I fail? What if I start a, a group and nobody comes? What then? We all f- think, who am I? Ever felt that way before? Anyone? No? Awesome. I feel that way every day. <laughs> Try planting a church, okay? It'll make you ask the question, who am I? <laughs> I found out it's not just a church thing. In a December 17th, uh, 2020 article in the Harvard Business Review, the article was called, Why Capable People Are Reluctant to Lead. Apparently, this is not just a, a church thing. It's not a Christian thing. It's like a people thing. It's like everybody feels reluctant to lead, and uh, the L word is intimidating to everybody. These, these guys studied 100-plus working adults, 400 MBA students, 300 managers, and their employees, and they kept hearing these same words, resentment, competition, blame, aggressive, pushy. These are the words that they thought of when they thought about leadership, meaning, who am I? And I don't want to come off that way. You know, I've, I've just had a sense that in a city like ours, where there are lots and lots of big churches, that maybe there are Christians who feel more like a cog in a machine than a servant in a family. And it's made you reluctant to lead because nobody likes really being a cog in a machine, right? But Jesus, when he talked about leadership, he says this, the Gentiles, they lord it over one another. It's not to be so among you. Whoever wants to be great among you, whoever wants to be a great leader, whoever wants to step up, here's how you do it. Serve other people. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus frames kingdom leadership like this. It's getting down and it's just serving people. It's getting God's heart for a certain group of people and saying, Lord, it bothers me too. And, and I will do something if it's really bothering you and you're calling me to do this, I'll do it with you. We can be reluctant leaders. God sees things in you that you don't see in yourself. Did you know that? That God looks at you and all you can see is like all the things that why you shouldn't do something. God sees beyond that and he sees things in us that we just cannot see in ourselves. And what comes through the text is God's answer to him, which was this, I will be with you. Who am I, God? And it's almost like God corrects him and says, who am I? Do you know who I am? (laughs) 
I am who I am. I will be who I will be, is what he goes on. Who, who am I? Do you remember who I am? Who put the mouth on humans? Me. When you're saying, who am I? I could never do it. God said, no, 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 that's the wrong question. The question is, who am I? Who am I? Because I will be with you. Which leads to the third thing that I think is so important for us is that kingdom leadership is qualified by calling and character before gifting. Kingdom leadership is qualified by calling and character before gifting. In verses, uh, chapter 4, verse 10, Moses reveals what seems to be a point of personal insecurity. He says, I can't talk good. You know, if you're from the deep south, that's how you say if you're from Alabama, I can't talk good. You know, basically is what he's saying. Like, my mouth is sluggish. Some scholars think that maybe it had to do with the, the different languages that he would have to be speaking and he didn't feel confident. But there's a curious uh, verse in Acts chapter 7, verse 22, where it says that Moses, talking about as a young man, that Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and it says that he was powerful in his speech and actions. That's interesting. He was powerful in his speech and his actions, but 40 years have gone by and it's gotten real dusty and he's like, mm, I don't think I can talk very good. Seems to be a point of insecurity to which God says, details, details, right? I'll help you speak, and I'll tell you what to say. Don't worry about it. And Moses persists, right? Send somebody else, God. How many of us, when it comes to leadership, probably have thought the very same thing? Oh, Lord, that breaks your heart. That breaks my heart. Send somebody else, Lord. Send someone else. But just as Moses persists, God persists even more. And he gets a little angry. And he makes a concession. He sends him a brother, Aaron, to help him. See, Moses questions his gifting. He's got insecurities. And there's that whole phrase that you've probably heard preachers talk about that God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. Have y'all heard that before? God does not call the equipped, but he equips the called. You see, our kingdom leadership is qualified not by our giftings, not first. You have gifts, but, but, and that they're, they're great, they're God-given, but what qualifies us is not gifting. There are lots of gifted people that don't have calling and they don't have character. And our kingdom leadership must always be qualified by calling and character first. It's what truly makes the difference for kingdom leaders. I was thinking this week, if you go back to the, the New Testament and you look at the qualifications for elders, guess how many giftings are listed? There's one that's kind of listed and it's not really listed as if it was a gifting. It says they must be able to teach, meaning like if you need to teach, you should be able to do it. But all 
the other list was character. Had to do with their heart and their faithfulness and their families. And it's all about character. See, kingdom leadership is first and always about character and calling. Gifts are great, but calling and character are essential. So we see in this incredible story that kingdom leadership originates in the revelation of God's heart for others. That we kingdom leaders are often reluctant at first, but that it's qualified by character and calling long before gifting. I want us to get practical for a bit because what does it mean for us? Um, We are in a season on planet Earth that is still hindered by coronavirus, right? (laughs) It's still around. We're still, it looks like we're on the tail end of a spike. Praise God, right? We're so happy. But I do think there are some things that we need to be planting right now because tomorrow's fruitfulness will be based on what we plant today, Right? It's like they say the, the best tree is the one that was planted 25 years ago. Okay? There's, there are things that we need to get down into our bones as a church that will bear fruit in the long haul. And I think this is one of them, this principle that every believer is a potential leader. Our church is built on a network of house churches. I've talked about that before that we gather in homes or apartments or restaurants, coffee shops, wherever your group gathers is great. And you are the church wherever you are. You're you're God's people. That's what the church is. It's the assembling of God's people. You're God's people wherever you are. And in order for our mission to go forth, it's going to take a lot of us who say, I'm going to lead because God's calling me. And if you are a reluctant leader, I just want to encourage you today that God sees some things in you that you don't see in yourself. And we have to shift our mindset from leadership is for the select few to leadership is for every single believer that men are God's method. And I just want to ask you the question in Reflection, what is it that makes you reluctant to lead? Think about that. What is it that makes you reluctant to lead? How might be God calling you to step up as a kingdom leader? What is God revealing to your heart about his heart for others. Never forget, he's the one who observes and hears and knows and sees. Are you asking, who am I? And God's saying, no, no, who am I? I will be with you. Verses eight through 10. I've come down to rescue them. Therefore, go, I'm sending you so that you may lead my people. We all have our reasons to be reluctant, right? We resist, we hesitate, we make excuses, we beg God to send someone else. And I just wanna say, let us cast our eyes on Jesus, 
who did not hesitate, who did not delay, who led us out of our captivity to sin and death, and he brought us into life through his resurrection. And let us find mercy and grace and strength in him. May his spirit and his love lead us into kingdom leadership. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.